You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, and Inside Sports Fantasy Football. We truly appreciate you listening to all of our great programs. And if you can, please, 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 please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you can like, subscribe, follow, anything you can do to support our show if you truly enjoy it. And if you got some basketball fans out there in your life that you really want to get them connected on a good show, hopefully you'll recommend ours because we truly appreciate any help you can provide this show. In fact, we cannot thank you enough once again for listening. We hope everyone's safe out there. Hope everyone's healthy and hope your families are too as we're enjoying what's the finality of this uh, rest of this Memorial Day weekend. Also want to go ahead and honor our veterans who have sacrificed so much for our country and so much for everything out there as far as our way of life. So we truly want to appreciate them as far as for everything they do on this Memorial Day weekend as well and those who have given their life for our way of life. Well, my friend is here. He's back once again. I know him as Tom Wong, but you know him as the man behind Lakerholics.net. Be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net where, you, where they, well, they basically talk Lakers, 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 a lot of NBA and so much more. It is Lakersholics.net. Be part of the conversation today right there. And of course, the guy who heads it all is my good friend, Laker Tom. And Laker Tom, glad to have you back on on this Memorial Day weekend. Happy Memorial Day weekend, Gerald. Great to be here. Looking forward to talking some Lakers on a, on a sunny Sunday in Northern California. Absolutely. Well, it's it's uh, good weather right now. That's always appreciated. Hopefully people are still keeping their sense about them and, and not yep. doing anything uh, that they shouldn't be doing right now, but still trying to do what they can to enjoy the, the good weather wherever they have it. Hopefully things are getting a little bit more opened up out there and uh, things are going at least a little bit more in that, into that direction. The cases you know, I don't want to be like the news updates here, but the cases, depending on the state, they're fluctuating at this point in time. Uh, some are going down, some are going up, some are spiking up, some are spiking down. Uh, I mean, it's just really hard to tell at this point if, 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 you know, we are being affected adversely by this opening up of the states. But be that as it may, there are several governors around the country that are opening up to sports facilities. I believe New Jersey and New York are the latest to go ahead and add into that. So the Knicks, the Nets, uh, they're looking into uh, going ahead and opening up their practice facilities, as we've already seen with the Lakers and so many other teams that are out there. And in fact, the NBA is now in heavy conversations. And this brings some sadness to my heart, Laker Tom. 
although I do love Orlando as well, that Las Vegas is no longer part of the equation, it's seemingly. Las yeah, Vegas it seems is, like uh, Orlando has now taken the, the ball or they're having discussions. I was a little confused there because I saw that I saw a similar news thing that was saying that Disney was looking to open up their theme parks again with Orlando with making the deal with Disney. It's separate, my friend. If you go, uh, you've not been down to Orlando. I haven't right? been to Orlando and Disney World. Okay, well, if you go there, because I was just there in uh, mm-hmm. late December, early January. Uh, fantastic trip. Orlando is such a great place, and all props to them. Uh, except for the day it was a downpour and we were at Universal, but we won't talk about that. It's just, <laughs> but anyways, um, if you go there and you're, you're going, it's almost like a, a, a set pattern of freeways. There's so much space there. There's so much space for all these different entities, all these different theme parks and whatnot, and all these different ways to escape, whether it's a hotel, whether it's a theme park. Remember, it's set up between uh, Epcot, Animal Kingdom, um, Hollywood Studios, and of course, uh, Magical Kingdom, they're all separated. You have to take mm-hmm. roads that are separating them for miles, that, that are miles apart. And then there's an area, there's a there's an offshoot for ESPN, uh, wide, world, ESPN's World of Sports, that if you go off, you're, you're going off in a completely different direction, in a completely different area. And this is where Orlando is now rising to the, the top of the crop as far as the re, the place where the NBA might have its games and might hold its games is because it's not necessarily they can hold more games in Las Vegas because they can't. Las Vegas, obviously, if you're talking about just sheer number of games in a more condensed fashion and you can knock out real quick, Las Vegas would be your place. But it's controlled in Orlando between the the police that are on duty there, the security staff for Disney, and what the NBA could provide. The going in and out could be extremely controlled going in and out as far as from the players or staff mm-hmm. standpoint. And going there makes more sense if you're trying to control any, everybody in and out in the middle of a pandemic. In, the, in Las Vegas, even if they do or do not open up the casinos at that time, and I, I'm pretty sure that by that time in they'll late July, open. they'll be open. Yeah, there's no chance you're going to keep the players controlled in that in vi- environment. You know, you're going to see one or two of them at the craps tables, I'm sure. But <laughs> Uh, in in Orlando, even if the thought is going to one of the theme parks, you can still make sure that that everything is within a controlled environment, which is something you can't do anywhere else. It's got to help also that uh, ESPN and ABC are owned by Disney. Yes, uh, that's uh, kind of a good thing too, as well. Obviously, it doesn't hurt, but it just comes down to that i mean you know really as far as when you're trying to go ahead and make sure these guys stay clean as far as away from the coronavirus as much as possible and and not you know you've got testing you got all the facilities there you can go ahead and probably have the best chance of having a complete end of the season or playoffs or however they want to go ahead and structure right. it right there in that environment now they're talking they've got three i think buildings that could support basketball games there they're talking about having two of them hold games, and then the other one hold. Uh, you know, practices. they're going to go. Yeah, practices, but they're that they're going to break that one up into uh, you know different sections, different courts. So it looks like they could probably have maybe as many as ten, twelve. When all and all said done, uh, when all said done, is courts that are there that could provide NBA games and practices. So. 
that would be okay. I'm sure that would go ahead and knock quite a few out. It's not going to knock it out as quickly, like I said, as Vegas or maybe some other places. But like you said, when it comes to controlling, you know, the flow of people within the environment, I think that's probably the best way to do it. What I thought, what I found interesting was uh, Jared Dudley's sort of updates that he gives all Laker fans about what's going on with the discussions with Adam Silver and and the various plans that the NBA is considering. And his comments about the bubble that the players are be, would be kept in being sort of a misconception that the players are going to be free to go and and pretty much uh, it's going to be up to the players themselves to be responsible. They they sort of want to get away from the idea of a of a large group of black superstars being locked up in a bubble as if they were in prison. Um, that's definitely not the optics that the NBA wants to see, and the NBA has always been very sensitive about the optics. Absolutely. Um, and the players have always had a bigger voice, I think, in the NBA than any of the other professional leagues. But he's also got to be cognizant of the fact that if it isn't in a somewhat controlled environment, then there is a much <laughs> you know, higher likelihood of right. him or somebody else contracting the virus or a group of people contracting the virus. Right. And, for, and for a team like the Lakers, which has so much riding on the line, that could be the difference between winning a championship and not. Well, also, too, you think about all of the touching and, and hugging and five-fiving and everything that the Lakers bench does, uh, and you get all those players involved. I mean, I understand that Silver's looking at the situation like, well, if you got a couple of guys sick and, and injured, it's no different than you got a couple of guys injured in the in the NBA Finals like we did last year when Clay Thompson and, and Kevin, Garnett, Kevin Durant got injured. Um but the whole idea that the only thing that's going to happen is those players are not going to be able to play. And it doesn't sound like they're at all considering the second step of any time that you have an exposure there, which is players being sent into isolation. You know, um, it appears that they're the rest of the team is just going to go ahead and play forward. As long as you test positive, you can go on the court. Yeah. That that I find to be an interesting situation. Maybe it's because I'm still living in in today's coronavirus environment, you know, and maybe by the time I think we're talking now late July rather than late June for them to start. So that's another whole month away. And, you know, hopefully there's a seasonality to the virus that will give us a little bit more of a break then. Um, things will be more under control. Although Florida, Florida is not exactly the area that's most under control in the country. So you have to worry a little bit about that. And I find that to be an interesting solution to the situation because apparently they do not want to isolate players and they do not want to have the same reaction they did when players first tested positive, where they actually shut everything down immediately and and uh, basically were doing I, I presume they're tracing the players' behaviors to see who much other players might be involved, and people were self-quarantining. Um, so apparently they've now decided that we're just going to go ahead, and if you don't test positive, you don't play. I know Dudley made a point that they were probably going to wrap AD and LeBron in bubble wrap for the entire entire playoffs. Put them in hazmat suits when they're on the side. Yeah, really. But boy, it, it puts a, it puts a big responsibility, a lot of peer pressure and team pressure uh, on anybody who's going to go out and have a you know go out and have a couple of drinks or go to a nightclub or something like that. 
Yeah, that, I mean, it's just simply there's got to be some type of measures taken for people who yeah. want to violate this because it's costing the other players money and it's costing the other players yeah. substantial amount of money and the league money. I mean, it's a lose-lose situation if somebody like a Giannis right. or a LeBron goes out and becomes very negligent in going ahead and how they handle their, their affairs and contracts the coronavirus and gets themselves, even themselves, or their teammates sick. I mean, right. we don't want another situation that we already saw with Rudy Gobert play itself yeah. over again. Well, I think everybody learned a big lesson from Gobert that, that this is not a game and it's a serious situation. And I think by the time we get to July, hopefully, you know, all of the players are going to recognize that if you're serious about winning a championship, just as you want to stay in shape and you want to keep your mind on the game and not go out and get sidetracked by other things, uh, you got to stay focused. And staying focused means in this particular situation, staying safe and healthy. Exactly. So we got yep. you got we got that to look at possible eight to ten week scenario, but when you know games might be played. I mean, we're we're going to hear more about it in the days and weeks to come. But if they're they're shooting for a late July return to the NBA, that's like I said, about eight to ten weeks away, and that would get me or anybody else, you or anybody else, Lakerholics.net or any Lakers fans out there, really excited. NBA fans, period, as a whole, excited about a season coming up. And it's definitely going to push the start of next season to Christmas Day for sure. Yeah, and that would not be that already. I mean, that it's it's part of the evolution of it. And I don't think that would be necessarily a bad thing. No, I think that's. I think we've talked about that before in the show, and and there's some definite benefits to not going up head to head against the NFL. And and this is uh you know, I'm I'm just curious as to what rules may be thrown out on the table. For next season, they're not going to change anything for this season in the playoffs. But boy, next season it's like wide open. It's wide open country now for you. The, the various things that are being talked about in the NFL's got some crazy ideas. And, and well, I still think they could go ahead ideas. to do the play-in thing. The play-in thing this year they could do for the for the playoffs. They they seriously could think about doing that to try and spice things up which is something they might want to do to get people more invested. Uh, so they could actually institute some crazy things, but we'll have to wait and see what the NBA is going to be thinking up here. Possibly, like I said, eight to 10 weeks away from NBA basketball yeah. once again. I've often heard too, that, that there's talk now about possibly mean as long as six weeks uh, for players to get ready, just to be absolutely sure that nobody's going to go in there and have a suffer a major injury because they really didn't have enough time to, to get in shape and, and be prepared for the games. Well, we'll be have to, to see. I, I, I still feel that, you know, it'll be an, I still feel like it would make more sense to just limit it to the 16 teams that are in the playoffs rather than having the other 14 teams come in and, and work, for, work for four to six weeks just to play five or six games. Well, that that's why I think a tournament might help. That's why I think a yeah. tournament might help in this situation, this situation maybe only, because it's also a lot of money on the line. If you don't yeah. let those other teams play, how are you going to divvy that? Are you going to give them a, sh a full share for not being there? That yeah. That's another question you would have to answer. So that was something right there that you have to think about. But there's so many other questions, and here at the Lakers Fast Break, we're going to continue to answer them for you and as we get them right here at the Lakers Fast Break. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout. 
but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. But my friend, there's more to talk about with the unfortunate passing of Jerry Sloan at the age of 78. And just so sad to see him gone way too soon. Such a great mind in the game of basketball. Was there as the coach against the Lakers on many a time where he was the thorn in their side uh, with Stockton and Malone. And then later on with some great teams that he had as well in the playoffs. Could never quite get over the hump on a championship team but they came close. Uh, they had some good teams. Your thoughts on Jerry Sloan? I, Jerry Sloan was kind of the player that I always really appreciated, the kind of guy you'd want to have in the backcourt with you when you went out on the court. Um, he's a guy who gave 110% real old-school type player. I mean, I never saw anybody maybe other than Stockton who would grab jerseys and, and do anything he could on defense to stop you. Um, so he was, he was a terrific, I thought a terrific player and has a, always was known for his defensive attitude and approach, even in his coaching days. I was always very disappointed that he had that run in, uh, at the end of his coaching career and, and basically sort of faded out into the sunset, uh, because of the dispute with Darren Williams. I always liked Darren Williams, but I, I lost a lot of respect for him in that situation. And that's it's a it's tough for an old school player like Jerry Sloan, and who's coaching a bunch of guys who are making five, ten times what he's making as a coach, to to really you know not have not have guys just say yeah coach and do go out there and do exactly what he did during his career, which is do everything for the team, and so it's kind of disappointing. I, I'm sure that Jerry would have preferred going out in a different state, but at, at the end, you know, he made a decision that uh, that was it for him. He wasn't going to do it anymore. And we talked before the show about coach killers uh, yeah. and Deron Williams was one. Uh, and it, uh, like, even after that, I mean, he didn't have much more success in Utah and then he got traded to Brooklyn, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And then his career just plummeted from there. So I, I don't know, want to say karma or anything like that, but it seemed like a, uh, you know, for what happened, it, his career and Chris Paul's were at a parallel level because they were both drafted around the same time, around the same place, and their careers were always thought of in the same fashion. And then, right, like I said, right after the what happened with Jerry Sloan, his career slid and slid big time. And Chris Paul, well, you see where he is today. Right. You know, it, there's a point in time where Bill Jackson was able to 
sort of stop the slide of players dominating the league and and by getting by getting Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant to buy into playing more of a team game and and not to being able to go off on themselves because I think there had been a trend up to that point where coaches like Sloan and so forth had been you know it, it, the era of the superstar had really changed everything I mean right starting from Magic Johnson and and in uh, uh, his decisions uh, to go after Paul Westhood and get him removed uh, LeBron James definitely has been a coach killer in several situations. And so that whole trend, I thought, was uh, Phil Jackson was very important in sort of resurrecting that the whole idea that a coach can have an impact and and also resurrecting or, or setting up on the stage that how you manage your superstars now is one of the key ingredients in coaching that Jerry Sloan was never uh, one of those one of the principles in Jerry Sloan's coaching book. You know, to 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 work with your superstars and make sure that you got them involved in everything. I think Frank Vogel, for example, has has shown just how important that is. You know, in a relationship, everybody was. I I was one of the people in doubters when LeBron was first being talked about coming to the Lakers because I pretty much categorized him as a coach and GM killer. And part of that, obviously, is my bias for Kobe Bryant, and there was always the Kobe versus LeBron arguments going on between Lakers and Laker fans and anybody else. But Bogle's done a terrific job of, of really involving the superstars as part of the entire decision-making process and the chemistry-setting process, the whole idea of what we're going after, getting everybody on the same page. And if you don't, if you don't have your superstar on the same page, as Coach Sloan found out, it doesn't work in today's basketball game. It doesn't work in today's professional athletes. I mean, the NFL's still a little bit of the other way around where the coach is, is still the king. But in the NBA, there's no doubt the player is king at, the, at this point in time. Well, we are going to miss him and everything he brought to the table. I mean, we talked earlier about coach killers, especially the Paul Westhead one. It kind of sticks for me. I, I love magic to death, but, you know, it just uh, – just uh, was so sad that Powell Westhead couldn't get that that title because, as you know, they won the very next year, and it was a shame to see that that happened because he, he had such a great offensive mind. Obviously, his they teams, weren't playing the same style of basketball. It was Paul's forte. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, this, that's what just, had to really hurt him inside. You know, to see them play the up tempo game, the, the analytics game, if you will for which he was a huge proponent. Well, they weren't a very much a three-point shooting team, though. Uh, three-point right. shooting hadn't come in vogue yet. Uh, it wasn't until... Layups were, though. Layups, layups were. Layups were. And then, uh, you know, his Loyola Marriott teams, which instituted the threes, really just brought them as far as... Not instituted, mind you, but really just uh, got them into fashion. Just They were favorite teams of mine back then. They were surprising teams left and right. They would score big numbers. And unfortunately, he was never able to transfer that into an NBA fashion. I think he did win a WNBA championship, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, he was never really given the ultimate opportunity to go ahead with a quality team and run that kind of crazy offense that we now see a lot these days. Running gun, three-pointers. Hmm. This is a <laughs> day and age where his style of offense could have really worked. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of funny, the 
there's a whole cadre of coaches that are fabulous coaches that you just sort of shake your head as to why they didn't make it in the NBA, you know. Yeah. Um, Westhead was was definitely one. The Celtics with Rick Pitino, you know, it, it just uh, it, the whole style that Pitino played and even even Bogle gives Pitino credit as the guy who inspired almost all of his coaching philosophies. Pitino couldn't make it in the NBA. You've had a, you know, and the, the list just goes on of great college coaches. And a good part of it is this whole thing we're talking about with, uh, uh, with uh, Jerry Sloan, that, you know, it, it's the difference between coaching a bunch of kids in college who are going to listen to you and do what you say versus coaching a bunch of millionaires who are making, you know, four or five times as much as you are as the coach. And each one of them feels that they, they used to be superstars in college and now they're super, and they all feel like they're more important than the coach in some of the situations. It takes a really unique coach to, to be able to manage those personalities and do the basic things of implementing an offense and getting everybody to understand what kind of defense you want to play and, and, and really developing and creating a team chemistry that's a winning chemistry. Well, I'll tell you what, it's just something that we'll uh, be seeing more of in the coming years as long as the players, which rightfully so in many ways, will have a lot of say mm -hmm. and a lot of control. I mean, the best players should have input on how to best produce with their teams. So as long as you're going to have that kind of input, you're going to continue to have these type of situations. But again, uh, our best to the Sloan family in this time of uh, great loss for them as uh, NBA coach. Jerry Sloan has passed away at the age of 78. Tough times for the Utah Jazz, man. Tough times indeed. Well, my friend, before we head on out, got to be talking to some great NBA duos for the Lakers, and that would probably be where LeBron and AD, obviously riding a great season so far, very much a duo-centric team, the Los Angeles Lakers, because we are heavily reliant on two individuals Wanted to ask you, and this is something that you brought up to me before we went on the show, and that is where they sit in Lakers history. This duo right now, if they were to get a championship, if they were to go all the way and get a world championship for the Lakers, where do they sit in the pantheon of Laker duos? Because you've got so many that are there, Magic Kareem, uh, you know, West and Baylor. The, there's, the list could seemingly go on and on, Shaq and Kobe. I mean... There are quite a few that you could name off in Lakers lore. I think we're very spoiled in having them, and it's great that we have them. But, you know, I want to know your thoughts on where LeBron and AD actually sit as a duo in Lakers history. I think it's probably unfair to qualify them as the best duo because they still have to prove that in the court. I think they have the potential to be the best duo because they're – they fit together so well and they, they complement each other and so well. And it's kind of interesting when you look back at, at, at the various duos, but let's set them, let's set AD and LeBron aside. I would probably rank the duos in my mind as being Magic and Kareem on top, Kobe and Shaq second. I might put Kobe and Powell third and Weston Baylor fourth. You want to put Wilt and Jerry in there, you know, as a second combination for for uh, that situation. I'd probably put them. I'd probably put them third. 
So uh, I brought I, them. I'm not sure if I would because Wilt at that time was not the same Wilt. Yeah. And they only did one together. They only did one. You're right. But Pow and them only did two. So and and that one was a big one because it was the first it was the first one in LA. And Adam was a thirty three game win streak and I'd still probably so I'd still probably go Kobe and Shaq. Or Magic and Kareem, Kobe Weston and Weston Baylor did they did they ever win one together? Nope. Nope. Because Baylor quit the uh, Baylor, Baylor, Baylor put it nine games into that season. Yeah. And that's that's wow. a shame. I mean, I, I feel sorry. I really feel bad for Elger Baylor because his great career was never punctuated with that. Not only that, jump. most Laker fans today are not old enough to remember how great Elgin was. Yep. This is a six five power forward who out rebounded everybody in the league year after year. And basically was he, he had hops like nobody had seen in those days and, and could shoot from outside, could drive to the basket, was just a fabulous player. A thrill to watch him play, you know. I, I mean, uh, I can remember watching him on television as a kid, and, and it was a heartbreaking to see him resign and retire at that, you know, nine games into the season. But uh, when you look at all of those combinations, so let's see, I come back, so I've got Kareem and Magic at the top. Kobe and Shaq second, Wilt and Jerry third, Powell and Kobe fourth, and Weston Baylor fifth. I think AD and LeBron, first off, you got to win a championship before you can even put yourself into that argument along with those five combinations. I might put him up there. At this point, he's tied in fifth with Weston Baylor as far as I'm concerned. But I think they have the potential to... I think they have the potential to win three championships together. And I think that that's, uh, that's one of the things that I think is kind of crucial to LeBron's legacy. I'm working on an article now that uh, for Lakerholics.net and for Medium that is basically, I think the title of it is something like the key to the legacies of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Los Angeles Lakers is this year's championship because they need to get that. There's every team, every great team and every great player has moments in time, turning points in their history that's going to determine their legacies and their careers. And I think the Lakers this season is one of those turning points. It's important for it's important for LeBron because he needs to win championships if he wants to be considered a goat at some point in time. And this is an opportunity that is ripe for him to take advantage of and i think had we not had if we not had the coronavirus pandemic i think he would have taken advantage of it and we'd be we'd be where right now we'd probably be in the semifinals maybe or the conference finals getting ready for you know to go into the nba finals so i think for lebron it's it's critical because if he wins one this year he'll be favored next year and then there's a good chance he could pick up a third and that would give him six, which would tie him with Jordan. It'd give him three, which would uh, which would mean that he had more championships as a Laker than any team in the league, compared to the two to two in Miami and the one in uh, in uh, Cleveland. Um, and then AD, AD, I think has a chance to. You know, I've been doing this series in in Lakerholics.net of who's going to be the premier player of the 2020 decade and to get a kickoff on and becoming that player uh ad needs to win and if he can win one this year and that that'll put him in line for maybe being able to win 
two or three before LeBron leaves and then he takes over as as the face of the Lakers franchise. Um, he could become the player, especially because if he wins those championships with LeBron, that means Kawhi didn't win them. That means Giannis didn't win them. And so all of a sudden, you know, that really changes everything. And for the Lakers, I mean, this championship, we're looking at it, could be the 17th NBA championship for the franchise. Um, that's the most in any history of any team and would tie the Celtics and put the Lakers in, in a perfect place to maybe win their 18th and 19th championships and eliminate the Celtics as the team that's won the most NBA championships. So this is really a critical, I mean, aside from all of the tragedies of Kobe's death, the pandemic, suspending the season and everything, this is a big moment for the Lakers. They need to take advantage of this situation. And it's, it's critically important for, for LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Los Angeles Lakers franchise. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope they go ahead and finish off the season strong with the World Championship so that they can remain in the Lakers lore as one of the best duos in Lakers history. They're already there already, in my opinion, but there's so much more finality to what they can do and where they can sit in the pantheon of great Laker duos. I mean, there's so many to list out. Uh, for me, it's Kobe and Shaq. Uh, for me, I think that's just something that I – could see being a better duo than any of the other Laker duos, no matter how great they are. Uh, Kobe, excuse me, Magic and Kareem, they weren't together long enough, I don't think, especially with Kareem being on the tail end, because the Kareem with the Lakers, he it, he was on the tail end of his career. So, uh, you know, you don't get prime Kareem at that point in time. You still had prime Kobe and prime Shaq. That, to me, is probably... He singles it out as far as the best do overall. And you could say prime Jerry West and prime Elgin Baylor, but they never ended up winning a title together, right. which is truly disheartening to me. I think they were such an outstanding duo. Ran against other prime guys in green. Yeah, exactly. Four beats two every single time. Yep. So uh, I would just say this. I think for me, the best Laker duo in history that sits right now is Shaq and Kobe. Although if LeBron and AD win two or three, you never know. Well, I, one thing I would say about Shaq and Kobe is unrealized expectations. I mean, had they not had the conflict that they had and had they been able to stay together and be focused, um, then I don't have a doubt that they would rank today as the greatest duo in the history of the game of basketball. Better than, better than Michael and Scotty, for sure. I mean, they would have won. They could have won seven or eight championships had they stuck together. Um, that's just one of the travesties of 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 superstars just not just being at the wrong time and moment. I mean, it, it's kind of interesting. You look back at at the comments, and there's one of the one of the topics that we didn't choose today, but something that I've always really felt strongly about is the mellowing of Mamba, how Kobe and and how Kobe and Shaq became much closer as they got got along in, in the years and they both then appreciated and both understood that they really missed a great opportunity to to even enhance their own legacies as well as the Lakers um and even just where Kobe is is dealt with uh, with Dwight Howard you know and and congratulating Dwight and recommending Jeannie that uh, 
to give Dwight a chance and so forth, uh, even after the, the bad karma that they had together in that, that terrible season that everybody ended up getting injured and we, we thought we had another championship and it disappeared in, in dissent and, and injuries. Um, so it's, you know, Kobe and Shaq that, you know, potentially could have been the greatest duo in the history of the NBA. And it's a shame that in those three years, they were unbeatable. I mean, they went through, they went through one playoff where they only lost one game and it was an overtime game, you know, where they just got beat in overtime 16 and one. That's that record hasn't been matched by anybody yet. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Coulda. That's right. Well, what are you going to do? We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Well, my friend, it's been great talking to you on today's show. I know a lot of things are going on with Lakerholics.net. So before we head on out, could you please enlighten everyone on what's going on at Lakerholics.net with all the great stuff there, including your dream off-season lineup being made that you showed off right there at Lakerholics.net. Well, that's kind of interesting. I, I haven't put all of these pieces together in one uh, one particular article, but Jonathan Kiernan uh, <laughs> published an article where he's giving a blueprint for the off-season. His blueprint for the perfect off-season for the Lakers was exactly everything that I would want to have in a dream off-season. And so it started with the, the first step being AD signing a long-term contract. Um, I actually don't think AD is going to sign a long-term contract because I think the long-term contract will come when he's got 10 years and he can get a super max deal. But I think AD's definitely staying with the Lakers. He did not push his way out of New Orleans and sign with, with Clutch Sports in order to just play for the Lakers for a year. Um, he's developed a great rapport with LeBron. Loves the city, uh, is starting to get the recognition of what a great player he was that he wouldn't get in the small market in, in New Orleans. And so that's the first step. So all of a sudden you've got LeBron James and now you've got Anthony Davis. Um, after those two, then the next step uh, in Kernan's perfect offseason would be signing Boogie to a contract similar to last year. And, and obviously depended upon... DeMarcus Cousins recovering fully and being able to be, let's say, at least 80% of the player he was before the injuries took him down the last couple of years. I've always, I've always felt strongly that the Lakers were investing in Boogie for their th- to be their third superstar on this team. Um, and he's the perfect player. Uh, AD loves to play with him. AD wouldn't have to play any minutes at the five with we had, we had Boogie. Uh, in fact, if we had Boogie, Dwight, and uh, JaVale, we would have the strongest center position rotation of anybody in the league. Uh, AD would never have to bang down low and, and Boogie would basically give him the, the stretch five that could open him up for uh, open, open up lanes and the drives for LeBron and AD that they don't get. And it would, would really be a terrific help against those teams that, that play the drop coverage and like the bucks and the Clippers who always want to force teams to, to force LeBron and AD to drive into a very crowded, clogged up center. The next move then after that would be 
using our, our non-taxpayer MLE of $9 million to sign Goran Dragic as point guard. Uh, Dragic has lost his starting point guard job in, in uh, Miami uh, as a free agent, unrestricted, and uh, has never won a championship, and this would be a perfect opportunity for him. Give him $10 million or $9 million, sign a one- or two-year contract, and uh, he would take over as a starting point guard. And then finally, you do the final last step of the thing, which is probably the hardest of all of the four moves that you would have to make. Um, and that move would basically be to trade uh, Kyle Kuzma, Danny Green, our 2025, our 2020 and our 2025 first-round draft picks to the Chicago Bulls for Zach Levine, uh, who would come in and play shooting guard. And so you'd have a lineup of a point guard of Goran Dragic, shooting guard, of uh, Zach Levine, small forward LeBron James, power forward Anthony Davis, and center DeMarcus Cousins. That it would be my perfect off season for the Lakers. A definitely dream off season. Well, we'll have to wait and see. There's a lot of ifs there. If DeMarcus Cousins can stay healthy, if he is healthy, Zach Levine. That's why it's a dream. Yeah, that's why it's a dream indeed. <laughs> There's so many questions there, but it sounds like a pretty good lineup. We'll have to wait and see if that materializes over the course of the offseason, whenever that may be. But there's some good thoughts. And you can check out more of Laker Tom's thoughts, also his articles from Medium.com. And a lot of it is actually displayed along with the conversations that are there with everybody going out and sharing their ideas, their thoughts on the Lakers and the NBA season right there at Lakerholics.net. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Any final thoughts before we head on out? No, it's just looking forward to some basketball. It sounds very positive. Like, uh, I can't imagine now unless there was some horrible tragedy of numbers with the coronavirus that, you know, we went back into huge, huge explosion of deaths. And so I think we're on a, a good track where we're going to see basketball again. And, uh, and if we can do that, I'm confident the Lakers are going to come through. This is a big uh, moment for them. Yes, it is a big time for them to go ahead and start getting ready. Uh, practice facilities are open up pretty much all around the country for these NBA teams. It's looking more and more like we will be having an NBA season. Right now, it's projecting at this point in time through the rumor mill and, uh, and all that stuff. You hear maybe late July, so I'm looking forward to it. We're going to get more definitive answers here in the coming weeks, and we'll be able to go ahead and translate our thoughts on that information as it comes about right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.